Hi Trifantry squad welcome back to another inspiring episode of Trifantry Ultra Fitness podcast I am your host Ironman coach Nishan Bhardwaj Today we have a very special guest Sonia Wake all the way from California USA she was the team captain of team Iron Cowboy on the world's toughest race Eco Challenge Fiji hosted by Beer Grills we talk about various topics on endurance eco challenge fiji the experiences with beer grills mental health for champions and motivation for men and women alike i hope you enjoy this sit back relax and enjoy another episode of trifantry train in your conquer mohammad ali once said that champions aren't made in gyms champions are made from something they have deep inside them a desire a dream a vision this summarizes our very special next guest sonia wick all the way from california usa she is uh, she has just completed the world's toughest race eco challenge fiji which has just premiered on amazon prime she is a 18 times full ironman she has done more than 50 ironman 70.3 uh, races She has also been to Kona six times. So, world champs, welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you for doing this. It's an honor to have you with us. Thank you, Nishant. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you asked. It's great to speak to a fellow Ironman athlete, um, and I'm just stoked that you're bringing the love of the sport to India. I'm really, I'm really happy, and I'm really proud of you. thank you uh, the sport of triathlons and anman itself uh, is very new in india in fact we had the inaugural race uh, anman 70.3 just last october 2019 and uh, so to have uh, uh, exemplary people like you will be certainly inspiring for men and women alike yeah i'm i'm really stoked to be able to share you know obviously the sport's been around in the united states for a lot longer but there are amazing athletes everywhere and so bringing this sport to india i know is going to to bring forward a whole new um country of athletes and we're going to get to start to see some really big superstars from india in this sport i'm really excited about that absolutely so before we dig into the heavy lifting questions i want to know uh, how has been the commotion like uh, all the publicity all the a uh, fanfare from uh, world's toughest race eco challenge fiji you are a global global uh, you have a global reach right now how has that been like it's been awesome i've got to say i was really prepared for some trolls or some negative you know cuz just being international on a tv show like this and i have not received a single negative comment um everything has been really positive and i think that's a testament to the show you know i think if the if the race course in fiji had its own instagram maybe it would get negative comments but all of us who were able to tackle the course um people are giving us a lot of love a lot of support getting a lot of feedback about how important mental health is and um how important strength and resilience is so i'm happy to feel the questions that are coming in to me and respond to the people that are excited about the race it's been all positive which has been really nice that's awesome i think the best way to deal with these trolls would have been to put them all in a plane and send them to fiji and then <laughs> let's see what they would have done 
So uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, experience with Bear Grylls. How was he the entire, you know, anchor in the entire journey? Yeah. What was that? Oh gosh. I mean, we didn't, we knew it was a big deal when we got accepted into the race because Eco Challenge, you know, happened in the late 1990s, early 2000s. There was six seasons of it. That's really where um, Mark Burnett, the producer, executive producer, got his start in kind of reality docu-series TV before he went on to create Survivor. And we had all watched that when we were young. So we knew it would be kind of big. And we knew that Mark Burnett had gotten bigger even since. And then he brought in Bear Grylls and we're like, oh, I think this is going to be a pretty big deal. But when you arrive and you start to hear that there are 35 camera crews six embedded cameramen, six drone teams, 550 people on the production staff, and that it's going to be the biggest TV show ever produced. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> Whoa. And then it was a few days there. We were there five days early. Um, we had a lot of like prerequisites we had to get checked off. We had to like show them that we could climb the fixed ropes properly and safely. And uh, we had to get these certifications kind of checked. And so we were going through all of that, 66 teams, and it's all scheduled and everything. And on like day three of that, we're at the Thaumacows, like the boats that we're going to start on kind of like get learning about them and in walks bear. And we were right there and Bear, because he had seen some of the background footage of on our team, he kind of looked at us and he kind of recognized us and he beelined over to us and was like, hey, Team Iron Cowboy. And we were like, what? <laughs> he knows who we are. Um, but really what happened was because we were this small community of athletes, there were 330 of us, um, people like Mark Burnett, people like Barrett Grylls, Lisa Hennessy, Kevin Hoder, like they considered us their family. And so we didn't, we didn't get like Bear Grylls, the celebrity. We got Bear Grylls, the cheerleader, Bear Grylls, the papa bear, like Bear Grylls, the supportive, kind, understanding, motivating man. And that's who he was to us. He was very approachable. Um, he treated us like equals and he appeared at different points as you kind of see in the race. He really did appear at different points and, and we would be like, bear, oh my gosh. And he'd be like, keep it up, good going. It wasn't, it wasn't scripted. It, it was just natural. You'd come into camp and, and he would be there and we'd be like, bear, and it'd be high fives. And he'd be like, come on, Team Iron Cowboy, like, good job, you guys. So yeah, it, it wasn't, um, it didn't feel manufactured or, or scripted or filmed or any of that. It was just natural and honest. And everyone was showing up as their best selves, trying to kind of get through this big beast of a course. Wow. That uh, sounds uh, super exciting. You know, in fact, Prince yeah. uh, is one of the uh, he's started becoming very famous in India. Uh, yeah. He's done, uh, uh, he's, he's been in the wild with uh, our Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Uh, he's done that episode. That was. I watched it. You have watched it? I mean. Yeah. Oh, I totally watched it. I'm trying to think of when it aired, but it wasn't. So. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. And, and, um, I don't know why, but it just kept appearing in my life. And so I went and watched it. It was. Oh, it was good. He's so good. He's, he just can connect with anyone, you know? Uh, recently, the, there's a leading Bollywood uh, actor called Akshay Kumar. He's done an episode with him as well. That's airing right now because the oh. 
speaking about beer grills and all i think it's it'll start showing up in the ads for both of us again <laughs> totally totally so uh, 18 times ironman 50 plus 70.3 races you're also an ironman coach uh, you have done the world's toughest single day endurance event and then moving to the world's toughest race itself like what is the difference what was it like the journey and you know just walk us through that Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I got my start in Ironman came after I had my daughter in 2005. And like a lot of moms, a year after having a baby, you're kind of lost and trying to figure out who you are now that you're this mom and um I I remember having a moment where I was just like, "Man, I used to be this outdoorsy girl. I used to be this kind of, you know, tough chick who liked to get dirty and play in the mud and rock climb and go backpacking. <laughs> a year after having my daughter, that that girl was gone, <laughs> you know? And uh, I had this moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Where did she go? Where did Sonia go?" And and that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And at the time my daughter was having a ton of trouble. She was just she cried a lot she didn't sleep through the night she she was just upset a lot she was colicky and um i went to the basement and or the garage and found my husband's old mountain bike and i put the seat all the way down on it he's 6 foot 4 and, and i'm 5 foot 6 and um i bought a trailer to put my kid in that i could hook up to the bike and we did that and i put her in it and we started going out and having these adventures and it was just a new lease on life annie suddenly was calmer like she got to roll around and and do lots of riding and so our adventures just kept being longer and longer and longer and i would ride to the bank but then i would ride to the bank in the park and then the bank in the park and the swimming pool and i just kind of kept extending it to where we'd end up having these all day adventures and then i thought well if i could if i could run get running again I could push her in the stroller and then we could add like another element. So then we started doing that. And I thought, wow, I'm running and I'm biking and Annie and I are loving it and so I never learned to swim. And I thought, well, if I could find somebody to teach me to swim, then I could do a triathlon. And that was really how I got in the sport. It was just kind of like trying to find myself and going on these adventures with Annie and also not learning to swim as a parent. was kind of scary you know cuz my i want my child to learn to swim i want her to be safe in the water and i wasn't safe in the water so that also propelled me to to figure out how to swim so i did that it took about 6 months and i entered my first triathlon a sprint race and i did it and i got done and i remember thinking oh my gosh i think i could be really good at this like i wasn't necessarily good today but i i had the vision that wow this is about hard work and there's so many ways for me to get better like i survived the swim and you know i got through the bike and then i ran as fast as i could but i saw lots of areas for improvement while still having had so much fun so that was what when my husband saw my my face light up and my like my whole body just have a blast that day he was like man we got to support this we've got to we've got to give you the funds that you need to get a bike a real bike and and the time you need if you need some daycare from Annie which really I didn't she and I trained primarily 100% together for the first couple years 
So that was in 2007. I did my first race and I just threw myself into it, started training as much as I could, finding other people who did the sport. And that led to 2009, two years later, was my first Ironman. So I took, I did like Olympic distance races for that first year. And then that second year, I got more into doing a few like um, 70.3s and signed up for my first Ironman and trained really hard for it, probably overtrained for it because I was so scared. And I did the first one and it went amazing. It, I had a beyond phenomenal day and everything came together. All my training came together and I missed qualifying for Kona by one place. I was seventh and the last spot went down to six. There were three spots and a few people had already taken them. So it rolled and it went to six. And I remember that moment of like, oh my gosh, it might come to me. Like it's the spot is rolling. And then fifth was like, no, I'm not going to take it. And then sixth, sixth, the lady actually kind of paused for a second. And I got, I said, oh my gosh, I have it. And then she went, okay. And she stood up and I was like, no, there it went. But it ended up being the best thing that ever happened in my life because it made me realize this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want. And then I went after it like double, doubly as hard. So that was 2009. And then in 2010, I went back to Ironman Coeur d'Alene, qualified for Kona. I went to Kona in 2010 and I had an amazing race and an amazing debut and got 15th in my age group. And then I went to Ironman Arizona a month later and I won my age group at Ironman Arizona and requalified for 2011 Kona. And that year just changed who I was. It set me on a path of, I want to win my age group at Kona. Um, and I thought I could do it. Little did I know it was a really hard goal to set, to be the best in the world at this sport that's just, you know, on fire all over the world. And so it took me five years. I, I went to Kona in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. I had some good races and every year I had to requalify and it kept getting harder and harder and harder to requalify instead of you know, being able to get six, like that girl did at Ironman Canada, um, then I eventually had to always win my age group to get to Kona. So it was just full, my full kind of weeks and months were full of training and racing and preparing to qualify. And then once I qualified, preparing for Kona and, oh, I had, a, I had good races. I had bad races, you name it. In Kona, I've done everything. And in 2014, I got second. And I will say I, I basically felt like I won <laughs> after five years of trying so hard to even get on the podium. Um, second was like, I basically, I mean, the podium is just a few inches shorter for second and the bowl that they give you is like a little bit smaller, but it's basically the same, you know? <laughs> so that really kind of in 2014 fulfilled for me, at least my, that, goal that I had set five years prior of just trying to chase and be the best in the world. And that was, um, that was an interesting point for me because I think with anyone who sets a goal, there's always an interesting thing that happens once you get it, once you attain it, you either set a bigger goal or you kind of find out that that goal maybe didn't get you what you were always hoping it got. So in the beginning for me with triathlon, it was like always setting a bigger goal 
felt great. Like I'd like to win an Ironman. I'd like to win the amateur Ironman. I'd like to win an Ironman overall. Like there were goals along the way. I'd like to win Kona. But then once I actually got that second place and it felt like first place, I definitely felt like, okay, what is this all about? You know, my life, I'm not just here to go beat people at every race I show up at. Um, so I could have turned professional at that point in time. I was 36 years old. <laughs> so it seemed like a weird time in your life at 36 year old to start being a professional athlete. That didn't quite feel right. Um, but more for me, it was like, what about these other things I've always identified with, like adventure? And that kind of set me on, on a path. It took a lot of years to get there. But it was always that deep thing inside of me that wondered about adventure when the application for the World's Toughest Race came in front of me. I saw it on Facebook and I immediately said, oh my gosh, this is, this is the thing. This is, this is what Ironman didn't necessarily satisfy inside of me. This is so much harder. I don't even know how to do a 10 day race. And I don't even know how to do half the sports in this race. Like we have to climb up ropes. That's not something we have any familiarity with as Ironman athletes. So I was challenged by that. I thought, okay, like I can take this on. I'm going to try to take it on. Wow. Okay. That, uh, I think it took what, uh, 13, 14 years for you to get to this point. Yeah. Yeah. 2007. And now it's 2020. So yeah, I've been kind of at it for 13 years, which to some extent doesn't feel like a lot of time for 18 Ironmans and 50 half Ironmans and a world's toughest race. And I, I feel like I, I definitely did like two to three Ironmans a year for the better part of six years. Um, I am an endurance athlete by nature. That's something I found out through the process. I didn't really know. And I think... Um, I think the athletes that you coach, you'll see as people get deeper and deeper into it, certain athletes you'll just find are really bomb proof. Like they're, they're, I always say I'm made for war because the more training my coach would throw at me, the better I seem to get. And of course, to a point, right? Everyone needs to rest and kind of strip off some of the fatigue, but it was kind of funny. Like I would be good with maybe 20 hours of training a week and then coach might throw like a 28 hour week at me and I would get better. And then coach would be interesting, you know, so he'd take me back to 20 for a few weeks and then he'd throw maybe like a 30 hour week at me and I'd be on fire. And so we just settled into this place that was like, actually, Sonia, if you train like 28 to 32 hours a week, which was a solid 10 hours more a week than most of my competitors on the podium at Ironmans were training, you know, amateur athletes with jobs. But we just found like the more and more volume that we were able to get in me, the better I performed, which is good and bad. One, it takes a lot of time, but two, you can absorb, you know, a lot of work. I wish I could have gotten it done on less hours. That would have been nice. But I kind of had to really go that to that next level to find kind of the top of the sport. But I learned along the way. I'm just, I'm very robust. It's hard to break me. I can kind of take a lot. And so I, that also played into my head of, huh, maybe, maybe I would be good at races that take two days or three days or five days. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that was true. I kind of had an adventure racer inside of me. Nice. Uh, Segwaying to a very important uh, point at the discussion is that uh, how do women get started into it? Like you have, uh, you were 
uh, you started on this journey in 2005 6 when you had your own daughter and uh, women often find it very difficult to take up any sport and endurance sport in fact comes at the last of it people would start out by going to the gyms or just you know uh, making some changes in your diet and maybe doing some floor exercises but how do women get started into the sport of uh, endurance athletes yeah that's a great question and for me, I, I just took her with me. <laughs> I just got strong by saying, okay, I'm only going to progress at the level, at the level that Annie is going to progress with me. And I will say I got really strong pushing that stroller. Um, and I, if Annie could handle a half an hour in the stroller, that's how long we went. And if Annie could handle an hour in the stroller, and if, if Annie could handle a half an hour and then play at the park for a half an hour and then get back in and handle another half an hour, that's how we did it. So I kind of let, I kind of embraced the fact that I had Annie um, and let that be, instead of feeling like it was a hindrance, I let it be sort of chart our path, chart our journey together. We're just going to, we're going to kind of listen to each other. And, and when either of us needs a break, we're going to take the break. And endurance training loves that. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go out for a 20 mile run. You, you can get a lot of work in by getting a half an hour on the way to the park and then playing with your kids and then a half an hour on the way back and keeping them engaged. Um, so I think I just thought a little bit differently about it and thought of it more as instead of training and endurance training, what if we just head out on adventures to see things, to see the world, to experience nature, to get outside, to get some movement for everybody involved? What will that yield? And for the first couple of years in the sport, that was enough. You know, there's a rule I, I always talk to my athletes when I was training them called the 500 day rule. And if you start exercising every day and maybe take a rest day, you know, every four to five days. But if you get into that routine, the first 500 days, you will get better without a doubt, about a year and a half, just getting out and exercising, doing whatever you can in whatever fashion feels right for you, feels right for your body, not, you know, not pushing beyond your limits, but just kind of creating that lifestyle, you'll get faster. The races that you enter, they'll be faster when you run them a couple months after the first one that you run. It's just part of the nature. So enjoy those first 500 days, find, find creative ways to do it. Take your kids with you. Um, and then I also had, I had other moms that trained. So we swapped kids. That was pretty common. And we go over for a play date and I'd drop Annie and I get out and go get to do maybe a longer bike ride for two hours. And then I would come back and I'd watch kids and make, lunch and put everybody down for naps. And my friend would go out for a couple hours. And we did quite a bit of that kind of uh, co-watching with some of my other triathlete mom friends, because, you know, if you're wanting to find health again after having kids, then other moms are too. So you, you can get together and create that together and just keep it fun. Yeah. I think uh, the element of uh, community gets you going and the, I'm, I'm certainly going to be using your rule of 500 to motivate my athletes and marathoners. We have a lot of people uh, who join us, but uh, they are looking for results in like maybe eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks. But I often tell uh, my athletes and people in general is that if you're getting into the sport of marathons or triathlons, have a long-term vision uh, for years and years. I know for a fact that I've been running for 15 years and my best is yet to come. So if you have that kind of a vision, 
uh, have a long term uh, mentality you will certainly start succeeding and this rule of five sort of just uh, puts the yeah. nail on the head yeah i understand it i understand people looking for outcomes yeah. rather than journeys and i understand it i I've been there. I've thought, okay, if I just work really hard for eight weeks, I will, I'll look better. I'll feel better. I'll be faster, et cetera. Um, but that's one of those situations like I found out at Kona. What happens after eight weeks when you go and you get that goal? If that goal was so big to you that it was just about the end of that eight weeks, I promise you the next day you'll wake up and you won't feel very motivated and you won't feel very excited. So the best gift you can give yourself is the gift of saying, hey, I'm going to make this a healthy lifestyle. I'm going to be interested in the journey and what I can learn along the way. Um, and I am going to be faster in eight weeks. I am going to be stronger, but I'm also looking at the eight weeks after that and the eight weeks after that, because that's where whatever you're really searching for in that outcome it's not going to come in those eight weeks. It's going to come by embracing the journey and being able to extend that into your life long-term. Absolutely. I think this is, uh, as a coach, uh, the philosophy is always to sort of teach the people the right way, embrace it in the lifestyle. And maybe they'll not need us in a year or two years, but if they can continue to go on this journey for the next 50 years, I think we've won. And uh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the objective, right? as a coach, yeah. as an athlete. Yeah. Helping people to find, you know, my philosophy in coaching was always health first. Like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care how you do in your races. I mean, I'm going to train you well and we're going to put a great plan together. Um, but I want you healthy. I want you healthy for your kids. I want you healthy for your family. I want you healthy in your mind um, so that you can, you can go to your job or you can show up for whoever you need to show up in the world as, as your best self. Um, and I think that sports, they do that because they introduce challenge, they introduce hardship, and we have to get, we have to use sport to sort of get over those universal hardships in life. But we can absolutely take that into the rest of our world. And, and that's the whole point. We're not just doing sport in a bubble. We're not just doing it to satisfy our ego. Um, you can do that, but only for so long. It's really going to come back to, well, how are you going to show up for the people around you? How are you going to extend healthy lifestyle into your network? Um, and I think that's why we want to take that long, long-term approach because we've got more, more people to inspire than just ourselves. you know? Absolutely. So uh, moving to an important part of our conversation is uh, that people often think that people who work out or are champions will are not battling the mental health issues and we are not going through our uh, shares of depressions and you know anxiety and maybe highs and lows. And uh, in episode two of the world's uh, toughest race, we had a scene where you broke down and there were your teammates were helping you out. You were, I think, I feel like you were overheating yeah. and also mentally you were uh, facing challenges. Could you help us uh, guide as to how mental health, you know, uh, challenges the champions as well, like yourself? Oh man, I episode two is a fun one. It, <laughs> I cry on television, um, <laughs> and they just use that clip in like every promo video, everything. With Sonia saying, this is so hard. Um, I like to joke sometimes that 
I, I can sometimes say, this is so hard and I don't think I can do this all the way through actually doing the thing. Sometimes that that's true. Our mind, oh, our mind, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing tool. We have to learn to use it correctly. So I'll give you some context to episode two and when that breakdown happened. Um, we started this race on these lovely boats that were built for us by the Fiji called Bama Cows. And they're, they're kind of an outrigger boat, a canoe with a, an ama, a little pontoon on the side. So you can paddle them, but then they also have a sail and you can sail them. And I think the race really intended that we sail these boats. They wanted a lot of like beautiful boats with big open sails and a whole bunch of teams sailing across the open ocean. But in order to sail, you need wind. And we did not have any wind. So we paddled in the first 27 hours of the race, we paddled 21 hours of those 27. Um, and the boys had been, the boys had a grand total of about three hours of paddling time in their lives. So <laughs> I was um, on our team, I was the navigator and I was also our steersman. So the person in sitting in the fourth position in the boat has to steer the boat. And these boats are big and they're heavy. They're not like traditional outrigger canoes. They, they take quite a bit of manual hard steering. And when I'm not steering, I'm paddling to, to be a fourth paddler. So as we had paddled, we didn't sleep the first night. Um, we laid down and rested about one hour of not good sleep, but just one hour of like off our feet. And then we got into day two and about halfway through day two, we were done paddling and we had pulled in and gotten rid of the thumb and cow. And the last like six or so hours um, before we turned in those boats was really hot and the current, we were fighting quite a bad current trying to get across the big channel. And so I had to really steer quite heavily. And also I couldn't quite, I had a compass bearing on where we were headed and I had the map on my lap, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I had identified exactly where we were headed. So it was kind of this six hour navigation of like, make sure this boat is going in the right direction. The boys are tired, but they're paddling strong still. Make sure that these boys aren't going to have to paddle any extra strokes that I'm going to the exact right location. And I just fell behind eating and drinking. And we had already been racing for a whole day. So we pull onto land and finally I can like breathe a little bit. I'm not paranoid about where we're going. We found the checkpoint. I'm not paranoid about the boat moving in the wrong direction every 30 seconds. And that was the first moment. It was really hot. I got a new set of maps. And so I had to sit down and figure out where we were going. It was really hot. I was really underfed. And, and I just broke down. And I just said, that was really hard. And I cried. I'm sitting here. I'm super hot. I'm I'm just, I don't have any food in my belly. I haven't drank enough and I'm melting down. And it's really interesting because something I noticed in the race, I'm quite good in cold weather, but in hot weather, I notice when I start to overheat, my mind monkeys come up. They start saying, I don't think you can do this. I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is really hard. I don't think I can do this. And what happens is our output always follows our input. Whatever is going on in our brain is always going to manifest in our performance, whether you like it or not. It's a universal truth. What you think you do become. You don't have to believe that that's true. It's still true. <laughs> and so in that moment, when those thoughts were coming through, 
you know, that was really what was creating my performance. If I could have found a way to calm those thoughts down in that moment, I could have taken care of things myself, but because I didn't, then I had a meltdown and I sought shade. Um, and so I ended up going over to the medical tent because they had shade and I was trying to figure out the maps. And so I drug my maps over to the medical tent and she looked at me and said, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm just here for shade. And she's like, can I take your blood pressure? And so she took my blood pressure. She's like, we're in trouble. And I was like, oh, oh. and that kind of led to this spiral of like, we need to get you cooled down. Let's get you in like the front seat of the ambulance to put the AC on you, get some fluids in you. Um, and then of course the boys have to deal with that. There's cameras in my face. And they were like, oh man, now Sonia's creating a scene, you know, <laughs> she's causing a stir. And oh, I was embarrassed, you know, because I just want to be this tough, this tough navigator, this tough team captain. Um, but I am me and and I have to handle what comes up for myself during the race. Of course, I would love to be cool, calm, and collected all the time. But um, as a woman, we have oodles of intuition, which makes us fantastic navigators when we learn map and compass. Um, but where there is a light, there is a dark. And so that, that intuitive sense that we often bring to a team dynamic where we can read people better, we can understand situations better, we can communicate with the locals really well, has a flip side, which is when we're down, we get really down. And so we need support to kind of boost ourselves back up. And luckily, my team was willing to provide that. Oh. Amazing story. I think uh, that's going to give a lot of uh, Indian women as well as uh, a grit and motivation to keep going. And yes. I, it's, I, it's okay. Even if you are a champion, you're an athlete, you're a coach, you are an executive, you are a senior um, professional. It's okay to embrace your uh, mental challenges, your uh, low points. Take a step back, breathe in. Have a proper sleep if you can, not in world toughest race, of course. <laughs> if you can, go for it. Yeah. And I think um, something we all can learn is, you know, having a little support network that you can talk to. Somebody else who's experienced, um, you know, if you have experience with anxiety or with depression or with pan panic attacks, these are all very common things. And other people in your circle are experiencing them. And we don't always, we don't always feel like we can talk about them. It's easy to feel isolated. Um, but if you take that leap and you, you put a few feelers out there, you're going to find really quickly that other people in your circle have experienced that. And you can develop a, a smaller support network for yourself, sort of a, a mental health support network that you can go to when you're having those kind of, of days and you need a break and you need to bounce something off of someone else. You need someone to listen and validate how you're feeling and let you know that you are going to come through it. I think that's been really important for me um, as an athlete who struggled with panic attacks and I've had anxiety as well. And um, yeah, I've just learned like I have a small set of people that I can, I can go to that can kind of remind me what I already know. Because we already know that we're awesome. We already know these things, but sometimes people have to remind us that what we already know, you know? Absolutely. Uh, uh, talking about the connections and the network that uh, you have, uh, you have a very special Indian connection as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have so many Indian connections. Well, I got to race with the two Indian chicks on World's Toughest Race, um, Tashi and Nungchi, and they are 
amazing twins. Um, My best friend, Priyanka, she was born in Calcutta. Um, Let's see, my publicist, Christina, she's also Indian. Yeah, I I have a lot of um, connection, but I haven't been to your country yet. And so that's next up for me. And I've asked Priyanka to take me to India and she has promised to. So post COVID, we will plan a trip. We've been all over the world together, but yeah, I've, I'm ready to come to the country. I've also been making some friends. So I would like to come visit all of you. Absolutely. We would uh, love to host you in here in Bombay, Delhi, Chandigarh. We'll show you all the amazing uh, places and not the kind of places that they show in the Hollywood movies, not those kind of, I don't need those places. Typical uh, places. We'll show you amazing uh, uh, places that you love. Maybe we can go for a few uh, runs as well. I would love that. I would love to come and meet some some of the other athletes um, and do some do some runs or do some rides or some swims. I mean, that would be amazing. We'll set you up whenever you. Okay. Do. Yes. Uh, So we've moved to the last part of our conversation. I call it the rapid fire round. I love it. Around what I will be doing is I will be asking you quick 10 questions back to back. You will have five seconds to think and answer. So uh, no changing of your answers, nothing. It might get uh, a little bit controversial, but you have to play along. (laughs) No problem. I'm game. Let's do this. It can't be harder than the world's toughest race. Certainly not. Okay, are you ready? I am. I was born ready. Okay. First question. Uh, what's more closer to you, World's Toughest Race or Iron Man? World's Toughest Race. Awesome. Uh, who's your favorite show host other than yourself? Podcast host? Uh, okay, podcast, YouTube, TV, you're everywhere. Bear Girls. <laughs> Okay, that's biased, but okay. Yeah, we all love him. <laughs> okay, what are your top three uh, favorite podcasts? Oh, gosh. Um, okay, okay, I have this. I don't have it in five seconds, but I have this. Um, I am in love with the NSFW Survivor Podcast with Johnny and Zach. That is one of my favorites. The other one is, um, shoot, what is it called? It's with Cheryl Strayed. Um, it's with Cheryl Strayed. She wrote Wild. Um, Dear Sugars, Dear Sugars. And then my other one, oh my gosh, I listen to so many podcasts. Um, True Crime. I'm like a true crime junkie. So I would say the True Crime podcast is my other favorite one. Awesome. You should, uh, Joe Rogan would not be that happy, but okay, you should. I know, right? (laughs) I don't, yes, you're right. He wouldn't be that happy. It's okay. I mean, and you might (laughs) run this show, so don't say anything on Uh, out of your six Kona uh, uh, races, what is which one is your favorite and why? 2014, when I got second, because it finally all came together. Okay. Uh, which is your favorite sport, uh, swim, bike, run, strength, or all the other things that you did in World's Toughest Race? Mm, um, my favorite sport in World's Toughest Race is climbing the ropes. Climbing the ropes or rappelling down the ropes, any of the stuff on the ropes, I loved. And in triathlon in general, which, which is your favorite? Triathlon is, it shifts all the times. I go through phases. I would say right now my favorite is running. Awesome. Okay. Uh, which is your favorite uh, apparel and shoes brand? Oh, yeah. Right. right now I'm running in Solomon. 
but I have done my time in hokas. I have done my time in, um, gosh, I've run on a lot of hokas, uh, Saucony, and I have done my time in Brooks. The, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite uh, timing watch, uh, timing brand? Garmin, hands uh, down. Is that an instinct? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Uh, next question. Uh, black coffee or cappuccino or latte, what do you like more? Flat white. Flat. Okay. Do you know it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flat white. All right. Uh, training in the morning, afternoon, evening, what is your favorite time? Evening. I'm a night owl. I love to stay up late. So I do a lot of training in the evening. Unlike most triathletes, I don't like training in the morning. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite uh, recovery ritual? Oh, my Normatec boots. Okay. Do you know them? Uh, uh, heat, heated uh, massage boots? Um, like they puff up pneumatic compression. They're like compression boots. You put them on and they have chambers and they flush the blood up to your heart and you just lay in them and luxuriate and like they look like big moon boots. Um, and so I get in those for an hour almost every night. Awesome. Last question. Uh, you have raced across the world in various countries. Uh, what are your top, uh, top four destinations that you've raced at? Ooh, fun. Okay. Um, Canada, Penticton, that like region, amazing. Lots of fruit, like apricots and peaches and whatnot. So I love the fruit in there and it's gorgeous. Um, okay. Mont Blanc, like Europe, Chamonix, France, that area. Love all the trails there. Um, Cozumel. Cozumel was very amazing. The island just embraces, yeah, in Mexico, embraces the athletes and um, they don't go to work that day and they just go crazy. And then I would say Brazil, Florianopolis. That was an amazing experience. And there were tons of jellyfish in the water that felt like corks like bobbing corks, but literally like trillions of them. So you were just swimming through like bobbing cork jellyfish that don't sting. Oh, okay. You should come to Goa. I'm in Goa. We have uh, actual stinging jellyfish. Oh. Okay. I'm fine with that. I've been in that. <laughs> yes. I was. Cozumel has stinging jellyfish as well. <laughs> It's kind of common, you know, we, we swim in crazy bodies of water as triathletes, like you're gonna run into some jellyfish. We have plenty of jellyfish where I swim right, you know, two miles from my house in the open ocean. We've got like big jellyfish that I'm always steering around. Nice. You have been super uh, good at the rapid fire. Uh, I thought I'll make it controversial, but it didn't happen. You were uh, smart enough to dodge. <laughs> weave my way through the answers okay before uh, we call it a end of the show uh, what is your next challenge what is the next big thing that you've been working on or you plan to do in the future over and above these two type of uh, races i know like what is next well um eco challenge has come out and said that they are going to do another race in 2021 in patagonia um so I did apply with a different team, but I did apply for that. I don't know if we'll get in, you know, there's, they had 10 times the number of applications this year and they definitely like gave me my due in Fiji. Um, so if they don't let me into the race on a team, then I will go and volunteer uh, just to be in the energy because why not, right? I'd love to go to Patagonia. 
But I think, you know, where I'm really headed next is I'm looking for experiences that are really adventurous and exciting and light me up. And what World's Toughest Race taught me from my Ironman background is that there's a whole big wide world of crazy fun adventures that people are having. And once you get into that environment and you get to meet new people, they might invite you to come do something crazy and fun. And I can, if it lights me up and I'm like, that sounds great, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to go and do that crazy fun thing. So I'm kind of right now, you know, obviously with COVID, things are pretty locked down. But when the next kind of light bulb opportunity comes across my doorstep uh, and I'm excited about it, I'm going to go for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if I'm climbing mountains or, you know, doing some other sort of team race or kayaking around some sort of island. I don't know. I'm waiting for the next thing to kind of come and, and tap me on the shoulder. Wow. Yes, absolutely. I think that that is the philosophy to live by. Amazing. Uh, any parting message from you for people to take up endurance sport, triathlons, marathons in India, across the world? What is your one? Yeah, my message to you is get in while it's hot. Like if you're in India and you're listening to this, um, it's just starting to get there. So start now. Start now. Also, I just want to tell people it can be really scary to start something new when you don't know kind of how it all works and there's a lot of gear and there's a lot of things you need to purchase and it can feel overwhelming and kind of scary. And I just want to give you that sort of nudge to say, take it one step at a time and look into finding someone, ahem, ahem, maybe someone who coaches, who can help guide you through the process because they're going to introduce you to other people who are also doing it. You're going to find friends, community that's going to open up resources. Um, so I understand that you might be nervous about getting into it. I've been there myself. I was nervous getting into adventure racing, but you just have to take that next step um, and look for other people who are just one step ahead of you they can help you take that next step too. Absolutely. I think beautifully summed up. Thank you so much, Sonia. You have been so kind uh, to share your time, wisdom, thoughts, and the journey with all of us. I am very sure that uh, the listeners of Trifandry Chronicles would uh, reap the benefits of our conversation. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. Hope to see you soon in India. I would love it. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. For Thanks for having me for tuning in, train in your conquer. If you enjoyed this story, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Try Fantry, and I will keep bringing you global stories of motivated individuals. You can also write to me at coach at Keep training, train in your conquer.